fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car all right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I am the monster the breathing men would kill. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. I go out of my way for you. I do everything to try and make you happy. I feed you, I clean you, I dress you, and what thanks do I get? I am so, so sorry. Oh, you're fucked. Oh, you're fucked, you. I am the writing on the wall. The whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. Dinner is served. Save yourself from hell. You're listening to the 30 something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. <laughs> It is the 30-something movie podcast. It is October. It is horror month. And uh, this week's is probably going to be a little bit more silly rather than horror, but it in a very, very good way. This week is Army of Darkness. So super excited about this one. I love this movie. Like, I just, spoiler alert right there. I love this movie. I have nothing but good things to say about it. And the different versions, because we, as we've mentioned before, there's a million different versions of this movie. Love Army of Darkness. So, because this is such a special episode, talking about one of our favorite movies, we had to have some special people on here. First of all, special person, Patrick. How you doing, Patrick? Doing well, guys. How are you doing? I am doing great. And very special guest... One of our Patreon yes. co-executive producers, Rob Perry. Rob, we kind of talked a little bit before about wanting to have you on for our Alien 3 episode so that we could, I don't even want to say defend it because I don't really know that it needs defending, but we talked about having you on for the Alien 3 episode and then I was like, well, wait a minute. Why would we not have him on for Army of Darkness too? So, so welcome to the Army of Darkness episode. First you want to kiss me, now you want to kill me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this will be a quote fest. Just so we know. Oh yeah, just just a oh, quick yeah. heads up. So, yeah, so excited to be here with you guys tonight, talking this one very very quickly, folks. We spoil freely. We're just going to talk, and if we happen to start to mention another movie that you haven't seen before, just be aware there's always the possibility we could spoil stuff. If you have not already, head over to our website thirtypodcast.com. There you can leave a rating for the show, leave a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. Become a co-executive producer via Patreon. There's all kinds of great bonus content there. You get three bonus episodes every month, two shorts, one regular length episode. And this month, we got some fun ones over there. For this month, we have got the, we're doing The Thing from Another World, The Thing and The Thing as our full-length episode. And then we've got Airplane 2 and The Secret of Nim are our Patreon shorts this month. So head on over there to Patreon if you want to get access to those. I don't know that I have too much of anything else, gentlemen. If we're if we're ready to just jump on in it, I will, I will get us going here. I will open up the Necronomicon and start reading. Mm-hmm. Klaatu. Barada. Nifurthethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethethetheth
is the Army of Darkness. Or if you're British, it was an Army of Darkness, the Medieval Dead. I think is one of the names they had for the British release. Oh, well, that's that exciting. Possible. Yeah, it was originally, I think Sam Raimi, I think he wanted that as the name for the movie and the studio was like, no, we just, we kind of want this to be its own standalone movie. We don't want there to be a whole lot of, in terms of title and everything else, we don't want a whole lot of connection to your other Evil Dead movies. So we like Army of Darkness, call it that. And so I think for the British release, I don't know if it was because of him or somebody else, they did get it as, as kind of like a little subtitle to the movie that it was the medieval dead. So that was kind of fun. So this one is Army of Darkness. It came out in England. And the reason that I, because if you look at a lot of the, the American release dates, they're 93. So I cheated a little bit because I'm impatient and I wanted to talk about this movie this year. It is an American release in 93. I'm cheating because I saw it in England. So I'm using the mm -hmm. UK release date. Mm -hmm. and, it's, okay. and it's my show, so I can pretty much do whatever I want. That's right. It's your show. So, But it came out on the 14th of November, 1992 in the UK. Rated R. Runtime of one hour, 21 minutes. Directed by Sam Raimi, who also did the Spider-Man movies and Darkman. Written by Sam and Ivan Raimi, who did Darkman and Drag Me to Hell. Produced by Rob Tappert, who did The Quick and the Dead and 30 Days of Night. Music by Joseph LaDuca, who did Xena Warrior Princess and Brotherhood of the Wolf. Cinematography mm -hmm. by Bill Pope, who did Spider-Man 2 and The Matrix. Editors were Bob Morosky and Sam Raimi. Morosky did Spider-Man movies in The Hurt Locker, and Raimi did Within the Woods. Budget on this one was $11 million, box office $21.5 Flick Metrics gives it a 69%. Cinema score did not have a score for this one. Bruce Campbell plays Ash. He was in Bubba Hotep and Jack of All Trades. And Beth Davids played Sheila. She was in Bicentennial Man and Matilda. Marcus Gilbert played Lord Arthur. He was in Biggles, Adventures in Time, and Rambo 3. Ian Abercrombie, who died in 2012, played the wise man. He was in Adam Family Values, and he played, I believe, Alfred in the Birds of Prey TV series that they had back in the early 2000s. Richard Grove was Duke Henry the Red. He was in Point Break, one of my favorite movies, and Money Train. Timothy Patrick Quill, who died in 2021, played the blacksmith. He was in the Spider-Man movies and the Quick and the Dead. Michael Earl Reed, no relation, played Goldtooth. He was in the Hudsucker Proxy and Ballistic. Bridget Fonda played Linda for a hot second. She was in Single White Female and Point of No Return. Patricia Tallman played the Possessed Witch. She was in Night of the Living Dead, the 1990 version, and the TV series Babylon 5. And Ted Raimi played the Cowardly Warrior. He was in Ash vs. Evil Dead and the 2021 version of Creepshow. So I do have some trivia stuff here to share. I pulled most of these from IMDb, but then a couple of other spots as well. And I, I would imagine, Rob, you've got plenty of other trivia stuff too, since I know you you are the only one of us to have seen this originally in the theater. So you may have some additional mm -hmm. trivia or stories for us. But apparently in the original draft, Ash was supposed to lose an eye. And they didn't go into like the medieval times until the second half of the movie. It was supposed to be almost kind of like another recap of Evil Dead 1 and 2 for the first half of the movie. And we would have gotten to see a little bit more about Ash and his job at S-Mart. And, you know, they just kind of, they decided to not, do, not take that route because I guess they thought that, you know... Universal at the time, which had kind of taken over the rights to this, had that they wouldn't necessarily want to fund something that was more low budget. And so they, they they pretty much wanted to try to shape this in a way that gave more backstory to the character and had it be a little bit of a standalone movie. And But yeah, so I, I guess Sam Raimi was, was pleasantly surprised 
when they went ahead and said, yeah, let's scrap the Cabin in the Woods stuff, just do like a, a quick little introduction at the beginning and get into the medieval, medieval times. A couple of the other interesting things I saw was that they shot this on multiple cameras, you know, so instead of having a, like a, sometimes they'll have a, a master camera and a close-up camera, but they shot it on a couple of different cameras simultaneously, so they had to keep some of the microphones and other stuff a little bit further back. So Bruce Campbell had to wear a wireless transmitter so that his voice could get picked up a little bit better by the microphone. And so he, I, I think what I remember hearing was, that he had some of the wires kind of concealed in the chainsaw on his hand and a little bit like one of the microphone packs was in the the shotgun holster on his back. And so he apparently was all mic'd up during most of this movie. Hmm. Rob, I know you are a, you are a fan of the horror movie and I'm, I'm sure you've seen your fair share of B horror films. Have you ever seen, I haven't seen this one yet. I I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. I want to go see it at some point. The Japanese-American horror film, Manster. No, I have not. Have not. Okay. So supposedly there is a B-horror film called Manster, like man-monster, from 1959, and it's a kind of a hybrid Japanese-American movie. Apparently the whole idea of evil ash growing out of Ash's shoulder starting as an eyeball comes from that movie. So hmm. I'm like, okay, well, that's weird enough and creepy enough that I might need to go watch that now. I thought that was kind of a, a of a homage to the thing with two heads. Yes, but that was that was my take. And knowing knowing Raimi's a love of low B B movies, especially B movies that are comical in nature, I thought that that was that was where it came from. But yeah, yeah. Let's see. You guys got anything else? Any other trivia that you know of or anything worth sharing trivia-wise? I don't know if I've got anything trivia-wise. I have a question, though. This movie was released in Britain in 92, Yeah. U.S. 93, okay, which I think gives us cause that we should discuss it again next year. Too. I think we can. I, I, I think we can double dip. Yep. Yeah. I think Rob's on board. Okay. Here's my question. That that doesn't seem to happen very much. With now, obviously, well, not obviously. Was this movie a huge blockbuster when it came out? Because if so, or was it more of a cult thing? That's okay. I see. All right. All right. I've seen the reactions. They're the shaking the heads. So because I'm just thinking, what would happen now? And obviously, we have like the internet now. But what would happen now if a movie got released? a year before, like I'm trying to place that. Like, could you imagine if there's some movie that came out in Britain and we had to wait a whole year before it came over here? Like I'm thinking there'd be just pirated copies and all that kind of stuff going on. That can't happen that much. Can it? Or is that, was that just the difference because this was more of a cult movie that kind of grew based on that? You know, I think some of those are, I mean, some of those definitely are also film festivals, because you have the film fest, a lot of the film festivals over in Europe, and I think that you tended to have. I feel like sometimes when I see these like cult classics, especially like the the cult horror films and things like that, that sometimes they will get introduced in Europe a little bit more, a little bit before they get introduced in America, at least at some of the film festivals or things like that. This one, I think the the first time I, I went to go look it up on DB, its first release date was the 9th of October in 1992 and that was at a film festival in Spain and then it was released at a film festival in London 
on okay. the 14th of November of 1992. The other one, it was released in South Korea on Halloween Day of 1992. So okay. it, it doesn't indicate if that was a film festival or I don't know. I don't know why hmm. Spain, South Korea, and UK. Well, the the ones that got it before America. Well, actually, pretty much everybody got it before America because I'm looking down the list here. UK, Taiwan, France, Portugal, Hong Kong, Canada, Philippines, and then the US got it. Interesting. So, yeah. So I don't know. I, sometimes I wonder if that's just the film festivals, and sometimes they have the, the a bunch of film festivals in Europe that they'll take their movies to, but. Mm-hmm. I think in this case, as we were talking earlier, Dino De Laurentiis had its its hands on this this property, and I think there there might have been something a little wonky with their distribution deal, and that Universal maybe, for one reason or another, would have had to pay a little bit more money to distribute it in the United States first, because in a in a film's budget, of course, there there are things built in with promotion and marketing and everything. And I remember this getting a really hard push, at least on TV spots when it when it came out in the theaters here. But I don't think there was a huge promotional push. And and I think that the the box office returns kind of speak to that. Okay. Um so, so they may have they may have seen a good word of mouth in, in overseas first, and then decided, okay, well, it's doing good over there. Maybe it'll do great here. And if if I if I remember correctly, they released it like the dead end of the summer in '93, if I remember correctly. It was. It has here for the U.S. release. It says it was the 19th of '93. Oh yeah, so yeah, just just that's that's like the dead zone for yeah. for for movies. That's so, like if you so. if you want a movie to die, <laughs> you release it in February. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, and I wonder uh, because I feel like there was also a note in the in the trivia section on here something to the effect that Bruce Campbell almost thought that I, I don't know if this movie is ever going to come out because I guess it wasn't really even released until almost a year after they had finished filming. Um, and so I feel like he commented at one point and said, I, I finished this movie and, and then waited a year for this thing to come out. Cause I guess there was, like you were saying, there's, there was probably a little bit of studio interference and, you know, trouble with the distribution of it all when De Laurentiis and his company went under and, and all that. Yeah. And, and that, that would, that would speak to why I was reading about it in Fangoria long before it actually hit the theaters over here. Uh, that's, that's where I first heard of it. And that's when I started going back and revisiting the, the other two movies because I was getting so excited for it. And then there was nothing for a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Let me do the, uh, let me do the trailer for this one. And then we'll get on into major moments, and we'll talk about the first time you saw this movie. So for this one, we've got In a World, where Ash Williams has been catapulted back in time. He'll need to gas up his chainsaw, memorize three words, and face off against the medieval dead. In an age of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. And a time of evil. You shall die! When the world needed a hero. The swallow us all. Anybody die! What it got was him. Groovy. You know your shoelace is untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped. 
in the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. Foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the words, Klaatu, Berata, Niktu. I got it, I got it. Fulfilled by a wise guy. Klaatu, Berata, Niktu. When the army spoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. Now, he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. With the army of darkness. You found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. Sound the trumpets. Raise the drawbridge. Drop the Oldsmobile. From Sam Raimi. Oh, that's gonna hurt! Director of Darkman. Comes army of darkness. They live. They breathe. They suck. Army of darkness. Pat, I think I saw your face when the rock music started in that trailer. I know you're usually the one that likes to make the comment about trailer music. So how did that make you feel? The whole thing just makes me feel good. I just, I'm, I'm telling you guys, as soon as we're done watch recording this episode tonight, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch it again. Like it, what, what a fantastic movie. And you know, and I'm sorry, like we, we should, we should let our guests go first with, with his reaction. So Rob, I think I was, forgive me my lack of manners, but I mean, it's, oh my gosh, how good. And you know, that whole, like you found me beautiful once on it was like, honey. You got real ugly. Like other movies, and it'd be like, ah, oh, say they said all the funny stuff in the trailer. Yeah, you can't because the whole movie is funny stuff. And by the time you get to that line, it's just like, he's going to say it. It's going to happen. There it is. I mean, it, it is just so fun. Yeah. And I think like adding the rock music, I think sometimes it... Sometimes I almost think that like the way they put the music in the trailers, it's almost like a bait and switch, right? Either they don't have the soundtrack, so they use a temp track, or they don't have the soundtrack and they put another soundtrack in there. Or in some cases, it's like it, it is completely misrepresenting what this movie's really about. Honestly, I think putting the rock music in there really just kind of summed up what this movie's all about. Even though, Rob, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Get in there. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that I think that that's where they spend a little bit of their marketing money because that's holier than thou by Metallica. Yeah. That's not mm -hmm. just temp rock music. That's, that, that's off a of Metallica's album that was still very hot in 1992. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that probably got people through the door just, just hearing that come in there. So we'll get to our major moments here in just a second, which is kind of our, our brisk walkthrough of the plot of the movie. Before we do that, though, I do want to talk a little bit about kind of our first times seeing this one. And Rob, I will, we'll go first with you. So kind of tell us a little bit about, I know you messaged us and told us that you had seen this multiple times in the theater. So tell us a little bit about the first time you saw this one. Okay. So real quick, buddy of mine had rented Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 and then sat and watched them. And we were we were absolutely in love with with how how different the first one is from the second one and just absolutely thought that the second one was the greatest thing ever and i had just happened to be reading fangoria magazine as i was i was ought to do in my younger years and i came across an article and it's, it says bruce campbell returns to, to with army of darkness and i was like well this this looks like evil dead and 
a couple paragraphs in and said, yep, this is the third in the Evil Dead trilogy. And I remember going to run into my buddy. I was like, look, they're making another movie. And it looks like it's going to be big budget. And it looks like it's going to be crazy. And it's going to pick up right where Evil Dead 2 left off. This is going to be great. So opening weekend, we went and saw it in a theater of about 15 people. And just, just remember just having a blast. And we went and saw it the following weekend. And then shortly thereafter, went to the Dollar Theater that was in our in our neighborhood and so we went and saw it three more times for a buck 50 and it, it was just so much fun it, it, it's 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 not a movie that you have to see in theater and especially we didn't see it i'd never saw it with a crowd so i didn't know how what a crowd reaction was gonna be i know that i had a good time and i know my my buddy at the time had had a really good time yeah patrick what about you when was the first time you saw it well, when did Evil Dead 2 come out? It was 82. Seven. Oh, Evil was Dead 2 was 87. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking Evil Dead it, 1. Yep, 87. Yeah. yeah, 87. So we did the 87 movies. What would that have been? Was oh, that five years ago? Five years ago now, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I saw this five years ago because we did Evil Dead 2 for the podcast. And I I'll freely admit, like, I'm in the minority here. I don't do horror movies. Or I didn't before the podcast, and I call it what you will. Like, I just, maybe I'm a wimp. I don't know. Like, I don't do horror movies. And then Evil Dead 2 came up, and I was I was intrigued by the whole, well, Evil Dead 1 was this, and now Evil Dead 2 was kind of a remake and the, the, the whole thing. And, you know, all the guys here were talking about Sam Raimi's real unique directing style and, and so forth. And I saw Evil Dead 2, and I'm like, okay, I built up the gumption to see Evil Dead 2. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is fun. Okay. A little bit, and then I'm like, I'm not sure, but should I be laughing at this? You know, and then it was like all the thing. It's like, I think I should be laughing at this. And then the farewell to arms and, you know, I mean, and I think I messaged John. I'm like, okay, I'm halfway through. Is it? And they're like, oh, no, you're supposed to be like, oh, okay, great. And then in the discussion, it's funny because I was like so-so on Evil Dead too. As we discussed it, I'm like, man, I'm enjoying this movie more and more and more. And that's finally when the guy said, well, you've seen Army of Darkness. And I haven't seen it. And they're like, how can you not have seen Army of Darkness? And they, I think you guys described it as that's the gateway for a lot of you guys into the whole Evil Dead thing. Or maybe it wasn't. It was potentially the gateway, whatever. And they said, check out Army of Darkness. And then this will suddenly make sense. And then I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll watch Army of Darkness. And it was like, why have I been missing this all these years? And I think... I think I had a couple of friends, a couple of friends in, 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 in high school that were real into this movie. Like they were into the, like the cult thing, like they dug this movie and, and they were always talking about it. And I never processed what it was until I saw it five years ago. And I'm like, oh yeah. Cause they kept talking about the chainsaw guy and I'm like, oh yeah. And so that was the first time I saw it. And I'm just like, this is, this is unbelievable. This is, this is just a great movie. And I'm going to find, I'm going to say it is, it is totally balanced for me between the, the horror and the creepy and the action and the humor. I, I, I just find everything is in perfect balance. And so what you were mentioning earlier about what they wanted to do it this way. And originally they were going to have like more at the S mart and everything like that. I don't even find myself curious about that because I'm like, don't, don't, it's like, it's like perfectly balanced. Like I just, when I first saw it five years ago, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm a fan. This is, this is fantastic. So. And then we got you hooked on Ash versus evil dead. 
Yeah, and then we hooked on Ash versus Evil Dead, and like, yeah, I'm. I don't want to be like a, a bandwagon jumper. I'll fully admit I'm coming late to the party, but yeah, I like the whole thing is just it's just fun. It's just fun. It's just entertaining fun. I think I've rewatched Ash versus Evil Dead maybe four times now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, because they're the, they're the half hour episodes too, so you can kind of burn through those pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. God, they are just they're so funny. Yeah. That's the one thing I miss. Yeah. Bruce Campbell having pretty much announced that he's retiring from the the Ash Williams character. It's just I'm like, oh man, it just I could continue to watch this character for as long as he wants to play him. But apparently, mm-hmm. apparently, physically he's he's not able to quite do it anymore. It's it's kind of taking a toll on him, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's famously if you if you read his book, if if chins could kill. He talked about how much abuse he took in the first movie, and it didn't stop when he made the second one, and it certainly didn't stop when they made the third one. Some of the physical stuff he did have to not do in Army of Darkness because they actually had insurance and people on the set saying, oh, I don't know, we're not going to pay. We have stuntmen for this. You can't be doing this, this silly, goofy stuff like you were in your auteur movies, Mr. Raimi. Yeah, when, yeah. You, finally, when was... you finally get the big budget, you got the insurance to go along with it. Yeah. What were some of, what were, do, do you know offhand, like, what were some of the, this, I'm going to sound like a total ignorant, ignorant person when I say this, but what were some of the things that, like, any stunts in particular or any things in particular that were just so taxing on his body? I mean, well, other than the obvious, but. Well, yeah, th- think of, think of Evil Dead too. He was, he actually did that whole flip in the, in oh, where he's shit. fighting with his hand. He flipped and. Don't think that that okay. was the first time he did it either. I'm sure. Okay. Same right. Oh, we didn't quite get it, Bruce. Do it again. Just okay. To, just to mess with Bruce because that was what Sam or Amy liked doing. Right. Right. Just throwing himself on the ground. Okay. Wow. wow. So, so for me, I, as I have mentioned before, and I think I mentioned back when we did Evil Dead Two a few years ago, this one was kind of the gateway for me. Like this one was, we, I want to say it was maybe sixth grade living in England and went over to a friend's house for a sleepover birthday party. And so we were, they had, they had checked out a couple of movies. We were playing street fighter video games. We were coloring, we were drawing stuff on his wall. You know, his, his, he was, he was a pretty decent artist and his parents let him draw on his bedroom walls. So he had this like life-size alien and predator that he had sketched on his wall. And then his parents were like, yeah, just draw on the walls. We don't care. So we were kind of hanging out of the party. We were having cake, having pizza, having other stuff, drawing on the walls. And, um, we had two movies that they had rented. We had uh, universal soldier and army of darkness. And I remember as everybody else is, I played my fair share of, of Street Fighter, but as everybody else is playing their video games and drawing on the wall, I am sitting right there on the couch, eyes glued to Army of Darkness. I'm like, all right, you guys do whatever you want. I am staying right here and I am watching this movie. And can you keep it down a little bit? I'm trying to pay attention. Awesome. Might have been a bit of the killjoy at the birthday party, but I really didn't care. So yes, this was kind of my gateway to the rest of the Evil Dead movies because at the time I didn't. I was I was a sixth grader, like I don't wasn't really paying attention to much of anything else, and had no idea until much later, probably freshman year of high school, that I found out there was an Evil Dead movie, and I was like, oh, that's the same guy. Cool, let's watch that. So I watched that, and and that was a. Uh, a bit of a trip very <laughs> obviously a very different movie than army of darkness and and then it wasn't until like a couple of years later that i realized there was an evil dead 2 and it was i don't know how 
Yeah. I do the George Lucas order of things. I do things completely out of numerical order. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I ended up seeing 3-1-2 as part of my, my viewing order. I don't know if that's called the machete order. Is what they call that in Star Wars, the machete order of, like, watching things in a weird order. So I'll call this the chainsaw order of watching the Evil Dead movies. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the major moments in this one to kind of uh, walk us through, to quest us through the plot for this one, the major moments in this one, I have nine major moments that I'm going to touch on here as we're kind of going through. If you have anything else you want to throw out, if you want to throw out favorite quotes or things like that, we'll get into, this will mostly be just the facts, ma'am, and then we'll get into opinions and everything else as we get into our deep thoughts. But major moments for this one, I'm calling the first one previously on because we have a bit of a flashback to what happened, or a recap of what happened in the first couple of Evil Dead movies. Some faces have changed, but we, we see kind of what happened at the end there. And, and like you said, Rob, we, this movie basically picks up where the last one ended right away. And so we get pretty much all the backstory you need to know. I mean, uh, like we said, they, they had an original script that went much deeper into the backstory of his character and developed that a little bit further. But basically for this movie, which, and I hate to simplify it this way, but sometimes if, if somebody asks me about this movie and I, and I only have like a sentence or two to describe it to them, I, I usually tell them, well, it's kind of a medieval zombie movie starring the Three Stooges if the three stooges were one guy. And that's basically when when you boil this movie down to it and that is the like the the tone of this movie. And so you don't really need a whole lot of backstory. Like just give us real quick like what happened, what do we need to know to get us up to speed and move on. So it's it's kind of like after you've made 15 million Batman movies, you don't really need to show the pearls clattering on the street anymore. You can kind of move on. We all know she dies, you know. We all know that about the pale moonlight and everything else. So, but so that is our previously on, and then major moment number two is we get into medieval times, not the restaurant because that would be a very different movie. But we get into medieval times, and immediately we have the voiceover of we've got Ash kind of talking about what's been going on with him. That's a we actually start with the voiceover. I think a little bit before we do the flashback, but now we see he is chained up. He has been mistaken for one of Duke Henry's men. And uh, things are things are not going so well for Ash. He is he is clearly being misunderstood by the medieval folks that are there. I really really love this whole. I love the whole movie, so it's going to be stupid for me to keep saying that. But I love this whole first scene, which I'm I'm going to transition into major moment number three, which I'm going to call "This Is the Pits" because I love this part when they come into the castle and they're about to they're about to execute these guys, and I love how he's just. He really doesn't phase him that he has somehow time traveled. Like he's just, I've never even seen these guys before. Like he's just like, he's using phrases. He's using terminology. He's, he's still Ash. Nothing about him has changed. Even despite the fact that he's fought these deadites and, and has been catapulted back in time. He's still the simple guy from a uh, simple college guy from Michigan that works at Smart, and there's really not much that's changing about him. And so I just love his whole attitude when he's there at the beginning of this movie. And and uh, yeah, yeah, to to speak on that in that exact same scene, he he goes from being very much the Ash character that he is for the rest of the movie. 
He's a hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. You're not in charge of two things, but Jack and S and and Jack left town. And then <laughs> I know, two, I know, I know. two seconds later, when he realizes he's realizes he's about to be thrown into the pit, that's when he's like, Hey, I've never even seen these a-holes before. <laughs> hey, you gotta tell him. You don't never know me. And he's I don't think they'll I, listen, lad. Yeah. He turns into yeah. to bra- from braggadocious jerk to total complete oh mommy help me yeah. yeah yeah i like his opening voiceover when he's like i'm ash i'm a slave or however he says that it's just the yeah. way that line is delivered is just so perfect for summing so much up you know i mean and i find myself laughing at that i'm just like I can't even because, remember what happened yeah because he's he's being it's his voiceover is so melodramatic mm-hmm. Yes. He's making it, making a sound. And, and he had, if, if you had seen the previous two movies, he's been through it. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. certainly isn't the same person as he started out in, in the first movie. Right. And he's, uh, he's, right. he's lost, lost people and uh, limbs along the way. But right. by the, by this, by this point, Ash has become, he's become Bruce Campbell completely mm-hmm. he, he, at some point in evil dead Two, he he swapped and it's it's probably about the time that he put the chainsaw on his wrist he became right. a completely different person and he's just continuing to evolve into the the goofy the goofy anti-hero that that, ne- that needs to step up and become a hero mm-hmm. type of guy he is selfish as as we as we start seeing like almost immediately this this becomes all about him no. And it is not an Evil Dead movie unless there is some kind of eruption of blood. And I remember, <laughs> and I've talked before about how, and I'm, I'm positive I get this from my dad, there are scenes in movies where violent or horrible things happen, and my reaction is to laugh. Um, <laughs> and I know that that came from my dad because, what were we watching the other day? We were watching something... And I feel like somebody did they get their did they get their head chopped off? It was some I don't remember what TV show we were watching, but something happened and somebody got their head completely smashed. And what was it? It was Oh no, no, no. I don't know why I'm laughing already. Yeah. It was I think it was it was a New Zealand, it was a like a Kiwi horror movie called Housebound. And, and I had, I had seen this somewhere and I was like, I'll check it out. So it's kind of like a horror comedy. And there's a scene in that in which, and I'm trying to remember how the guy's head explodes, but somehow this guy's head just explodes unexpectedly. His head explodes. And I'm sitting there watching this with my wife. It's late at night. I put this movie on. I was like, it's kind of a horror comedy. I don't know if you'll like it, but you know, if you're not doing anything else, we can watch this. And she's just sitting there kind of tolerating this movie. And the moment that guy's head explodes, I just start howling. And she just mm-hmm. goes, you are so much like your dad. She's like, I can actually hear your dad right now with the way you are laughing at this. So I know that there are things that. That's actually pretty cool. Normal people. I'm, I'm using my quote fingers for those who can't see it. Normal people maybe don't laugh at. But when there's a giant eruption of blood. The first time this happened, and again, I had never seen Evil Dead 2, so I didn't have the fun experience of the eruption of blood coming from the the gunshot hole in the wall. But when this eruption of blood happened, I think I just started howling with laughter. My little sixth grade mind was just blown, and I was like, I'm all in. 
This is so cool. This is so ridiculous. Yes, please sign me up for some more. So I, this, I think, was the first moment that I, I realized I'm hooked on this movie is when you just, and his facial expression too. All you see is his face kind of starts to light up red and he's like, oh, oh, oh. And then all of a sudden whoosh, the big eruption of blood comes out and like, yep, nope, I'm on board. Yeah. And then, and you get your first battle in here too. You get the first pit battle. It gets shoved yep. into the pit and you got the, uh, you got the two deadites that are in there and just every part of this movie is so much fun. Yes. And, and, and John, like, seriously, if this is for later in the podcast, save and tell me to put a sock in it. But I, I find that the way, and I can't describe it exactly, but the way things are shot, it looks humorous. I, and it's, it's, I know this is a running gag on the podcast, but it's like camera angles, like an arrow gets shot and you get like the arrow cam or it's like the sideways cam, like why is that funny? You know, just, it's just humorous the way it looks. I mean, when the deadites, when the, whatever the evil is zooming along the ground and you get that kind of sound effect. I mean, that's humorous. The blood coming up. That's another example. Like it's all the little attention to detail. It's, you know, Bruce Campbell's reaction, the look on his face. And then that blood, like a geyser of blood. Why is that so funny? An arrow flying by. Why is that so funny? The way the characters move, the way the camera in and of itself is creepy and humorous. And I, I'm really, if you guys, I'd, I'd love to hear your opinions on it. Cause obviously you guys have watched this a lot more than I have, but I mean, it's just the way things look. There's a creepy, do you get what I'm saying? It's like a microcosm of what the whole movie is. Creepy and funny all in one thing. Well, Pat, I'm, I'm so proud of you for mentioning camera angles. And, and I just want to remind you, there's only two things that I hate. Have I yeah. told you this before? No. I, I hate people that are intolerant of other people's cultures. Yeah. And Dutch angles. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I thought, all right. There you that go. Is, that is a combination Austin Powers gold member and a cinematography joke. I was, uh, yeah, I was going to say that's, that's like a, that's like a mashup. It's, it's a deep, deep cut. I was going to say that is a deep mm-hmm. augmented cut right there. It's a, it's a trick. Get an ax. Yeah, no, I, I love, and, and Rob, I, I don't want to cut you off here either, but you know, that just so many of the different things that become his trademarks, you know, the, the arrow flying through the, through the air and just how the camera follows it from its point of view. I mean, that is just so much watch any other Sam Raimi, watch the Spider-Man movies, watch any of that other stuff. And you're going to see camera angles like that. And I don't, I almost want to call the movements and the camera angles cartoonish, but I don't mean that in an, in an offensive way. Like, I don't mean to belittle it by saying it's cartoonish. I think it's, it has the look and feel of a living cartoon. Yeah. And it absolutely is, is Sam Raimi drawing on that slapstick influence that he, that he loves so bad. The geyser of blood is hysterical because there's no human being that has that much blood in their body. It's just absolutely impossible. So you just exaggerate it. Take something that could be horrific and just exaggerate it so bad that there's not, you can't do anything but laugh at it. I, I somehow then, get, I somehow get close every time I shave, but other than that. <laughs> and then, and then you have to have the arrow following the guy that that's trying to run away and he's sped up so, so much that it looks like he's doing, doing like a cartoonish run. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. supposed to be funny. He's, he's basically doing the, he's, he's doing the Scooby-Doo arrow. run. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah, all you need is that sound of his feet. Then we kind of get into we we get into a little bit. He's been uh, he he crawls himself out of the pit, and this is where I definitely have to go to one of the first rounds of quotathon parts of this episode, and uh, it's going to be the whole scene where he's got. And I even pulled out while the trailer was running. I pulled out my Nerf shotgun that I bought, and I I painted to look like the boomstick, mm. uh, because when I went to the C two E two comic show this last time I dressed up as as Ash from Army of Darkness one of the days and so I had my boomstick with me and, and mm-hmm. my daughter was like you're not really gonna like start yelling quotes from the movie are you and I said oh you bet I am so at different times I would I would stop I'd look around at the people and I'd go all right you primitive screwheads listen up <laughs> you see this this is my boomstick it's like I'm so embarrassed to be here with you so that's okay. You you originally promised to be a deadite, and you decided to become a minion instead. So I'm not talking to you. This is what you get, right? Right. <laughs> this is what you get for not following through with the plan that we had for the costumes. You're just gonna have to deal with it. I love that whole scene. I love that whole scene when he starts in on the whole boomstick thing. You know, retails retails for one hundred nine ninety five in the. You can find this in the sporting goods department, and just his whole salesman pitch, just that whole thing, and. I'm, what makes it even funnier, the more and more I watch it, what makes it even funnier is that these medieval people have no <laughs> clue what he's talking about. Absolutely no clue. But they're all enraptured. And he I is know. just and he's so serious as if he is really trying to sell them a shotgun. I know. I, I'm just gonna say it and I know we're getting way out of order. I gotta check because I know that's a double barrel shotgun. And I know there's times that he's reloading. But I want to say, and I know uh, jumping way ahead because he's got the one that's like the lever action one at the end. And I want to say that he squeezes off like, I don't, I, I have to go back and count, but there's one scene where it's like, kablam, 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 kablam. And it's, it's the, just like, ver- it's the very next scene where, where, where everybody's a uh, feed named grapes and everything. And the, and the yes. person turns into a witch. And absolutely, yes. I've, tr- I've tried to count how many times because if you pay attention to the sound effects, he reloads once or twice, but not every yeah. single time. And he is, he is firing shells at, at, at a rate that, that, <laughs> oh. that would make Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger blush. Oh my gosh, that it was, and I was, that got me laughing. And I don't know, it's always, it's the old cliche, you know, like getting eight shots out of the six shot revolver or whatever, you know, but it's just, he unloads with that thing and it's just. But and I then, guarantee you, it's absolutely intentional that they, they were like, you've, of course. Seen, you've seen this a hundred times, we're doing it my way. The oh yeah. Way. Oh yeah. Oh, it, 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 it's just, that's just comedy gold. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know why, but that is just so funny. So funny. And so many, so many of the quotes in this movie, as we do, as we tend to speak movie quotes. Oh yeah. And so many of the quotes from this movie have made it into my everyday speech. And mm-hmm. I, I will never forget because I don't think either of them had seen it at that point and I'm not even sure my sister has still seen this movie. There was a there was a day back in back in high school and I feel like there was a I don't remember if it was just stunned or if it was dead, but there was like a dead bird in our driveway. And I remember my sister kind of like going out to look at it and she's like starting to get closer to it and closer to it and I come up behind her and I just put my hand on her shoulder and I go, "Wait. It's a trick. Get an axe." And she's like, "Get an axe? What are you talking about?" <laughs> If it's dead, why do I need an axe? I'm like, you haven't. That's so wasted on you. But I'm I'm having fun. So 
and there, I feel like there are other times where, like, if I want, if I'm like, wait, hold on, it's a trick, get an axe, and nobody has any idea what I'm talking about, but it's as long as I'm amused, that's totally fine. I just want they're, to say they're too, lost. They're lost. Yeah. I just want to say too that whole scene where he takes the witch out with the grape feeding thing. I think that's the one where he lets her have it over his shoulder. And just the transition, she goes down and then the old magician guy steps out like from behind her, like the camera thing, the switch. And it's, it's just this real kinetic flurry of action. And then he steps out very calmly saying, we must get the Necronomicon. To get the Necronomicon, you have to, you know what I'm saying? It's like he doesn't miss a beat, but the way the camera is sitting there, you see him over the shoulder, the witch goes down, and then suddenly the magician guy appears out just speaking calmly. It's almost like a smash cut, but it's it's not a cut. It's just super smooth. I mean, that was awesome, too. Yeah, that when, when, yeah when Spinach Chin comes out from from behind his hiding spot. But, exactly. But just before that, scene, when he does the over-the-shoulder shot, yeah. And then the camera comes around to him in the front and he does his whole. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yes. like he just, yeah. just had a very private moment by himself and enjoyed yeah. it a little bit too much. I, I, I've I laughed so, every yes. single time. So my, my, my own personal headcanon is that Ryan Reynolds was inspired by that scene in Deadpool when he has the scene where he makes that shot and he goes, I'm touching myself tonight. <laughs> yeah like that's, that's that's my own personal headcanon is that's what he was inspired by yes oh uh, yes oh man we're not even out of the castle yet like we're just at the we've we've hit the opening scenes and we're not even we haven't even started off on the quest yet and it's just like there's so much that's one of the other things about this movie is there is no, i don't feel like there's any wasted time in this movie like mm-hmm. it, it absolutely moves, none. it moves at a good clip and it's not like there's no downtime in this it's not a long movie, but there's no downtime. There's no, not that there's anything that you would get bored with, but there's there's no time to get bored because it just keeps moving from from that moment on. Then all of a sudden, it's all right. We got to go quest for the book, and so then we're 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 off on the quest at this point. We do have to ensure that we memorize the three words, and I is uh, one of the things that I remember about this one when I saw it the first time was my dad really enjoyed the day the earth stood still, so. That was one thing when when those are the three words the klatu verata nikto I was like first of all it's those are not the three words that they say I mean it's close but it's not quite the same three words so I was the I was the nerd that was like you got it a little bit wrong but the fact that those were the three words that you had to speak before you pick up the the necronomicon I was like oh that is perfect that mm-hmm. is perfect thank you thank you so much that is just so much fun it was like one of those little little nerdy easter eggs and 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 again Sam Sam Raimi was a fan of the day the earth stood still. That's why that all came down the way yeah. that way. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry if you just said that it was kind of breaking up a little bit. Cause I know you, oh. I, 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 I'm sorry to our viewership if, if I just repeated that, but it's funny. My dad's a fan of the day the earth stood still. Oh, yeah. And he was quoting that just the other, and I'm like, and I didn't even process until he said it. And I'm like, where did, cause, cause this is not a, my dad kind of movie. Yeah. Army of darkness. Like, I might try to get him to watch it in the next couple of weeks here just to see his reaction. But I mean, but then he's quoting that and he's like, Oh, that's from the day the earth stood still. And I'm like, really? Oh, and that's when I looked it up and found the whole thing. But uh, my dad dad used to make me memorize those three words. He's like, what are the three words? Like when I was a little kid, he's like, what are the three words that will save the world? Klaatu, Verata, Nikto. There you go. Good boy. And then I see this movie when I'm, when I'm older and I'm like, yeah, now you get it. I, I, I know the three words. 
Ash did, might might not be able to memorize them, but I know I can. What did he say? Did you say the words? Yeah. Was it more or less or mostly or how did he say that? Sort yeah, maybe, maybe. Look, okay. Yeah, mostly. I think he said mostly. mostly. All right. Well, maybe I didn't say every little teeny tiny syllable exactly right, but I yeah, I said them. Also, a, a little on a nerd note, three of the the action figures from Return of the Jedi of Jabba's sail barge guys were named Klaatu, Barada, and Nicktu. Yeah. That's cool. I think I had one of them. I don't remember which one I had. I might have had Nicktu. Yeah. And so we get the scene. So as he's on this quest and he's being chased by the the usually unseen force that always chases him through the woods, he gets chased. He gets knocked off his horse. He ends up running into this windmill, and that's where we encounter the little teeny tiny ashes. And uh, he breaks the mirror, and all the little teeny tiny ashes come out and, and start chasing after him. And and just again, another funny scene, slapsticky humor. You, you get the the camera shot of much like with the arrow, he throws the the little fork and uh, pins the guy against the wall, uh, the little guy against the wall. Then you, you get a little bit of the Gulliver's Travels thing that he's tied down by all the little people and then has the swallows the one of them. And then just that whole ridiculous scene of him <laughs> grabbing the the scalding hot water and just dumping it down his throat. You, you like that? You want some hot chocolate? Here you go. And then just starts pouring it down his throat. And it's just so ridiculous. And, uh, you know, he, he would have third-degree burns all down his mouth if he actually did that. But just it, it's... It's part of the fun. It's part of the humor of the whole thing. And, and then this major moment I'm, I'm calling Ashes to Ashes because then he starts to grow an eyeball out of his shoulder. And I don't know why I laugh so hard, but the, the moment when he comes running out of the windmill and, and he starts going, oh, God, it's getting bigger. Like, I don't know, just that line, just the way he says it, <laughs> even though you can't see this thing yet growing out of his shoulder, I did that line in particular, I just I laugh every single time I hear that. It's a, it's a it's a little bit of like a if Hitchcock was doing more humor, it's like the you can't see it but you know it's there, and he says the line, and I think that makes it even funnier the fact that you can't see exactly what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm here's how excited about this movie I, I, I am I'm like gonna pull a sports reference right I mean it's like oh, having wow. it's it's like having a game plan all right being a wonderful incredible coach. You know, you got the whole game plan, but you got the quarterback that can actually you the one quarterback that can actually pull it off. Right. And that's what I feel with this. Like you have this awesome script, this awesome story, this awesome idea, all this kind of stuff. But you need Bruce Campbell to deliver it. You know what I'm saying? So like and that's actually, Rob, what you were saying earlier, just with the whole I'm Ash, I'm a slave, you know, like just he brings the right amount of melodrama to these situations that just. Did you know what I'm saying? That that matches so perfectly with the creepiness to to give you this great humor. So yeah, it's it's a great line, but it's delivered masterfully, and it's just all everything is all working together to to make this awesome entertainment. I made the comment earlier about about the Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool thing, but I as soon as you said that, I was trying to think who could pull off a movie like this. Like who else? Because I, I look at Bruce Campbell and I, Bruce Campbell is I'm 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 not afraid to say this. Bruce Campbell is a handsome, handsome man. So mm-hmm. he could completely pull off a a totally serious movie role. You know, I think he's he's got the looks for it. He's he's got he can do the he's got the action chops, but he's also so ridiculously goofy. And so I just I think in the back of my mind, I'm like, 
when you when you say because I think you're totally right, you can't have this movie without Bruce Campbell. Are there other actors that are similar to him in some way? You know, that have that kind of like I could pull off being the handsome leading man kind of thing and do the action pieces, but also come across as being kind of goofy. And the the only ones the only ones that I can really kind of think of is at Ryan Reynolds. Maybe think of what I'm just thinking from like the Deadpool movies. And then why am I blanking on his name? Ant-Man. Paul Rudd. Uh, yeah, Paul Rudd. I, I kind of feel like maybe Paul Rudd. I mean, a little bit less on the action kind of, you know, the action piece of it and the, the seriousness because I don't, I don't tend to like, I don't know if I've seen him in a serious movie and I don't know that I would take him as seriously. I see him as more of a comedic person. But, I mean, I think that's kind of a rare thing. Somebody that can, could lead a movie like this and have it, work successfully because i look at it and i go yeah i don't know how you do this without bruce campbell like anyone else in this role i i don't think it works it would you'd have to have a very special kind of actor to be able to pull this off absolutely agreed and paul rudd was in a serious movie once it was called halloween six and oh. <laughs> it was a serious failure yes ouch yeah i do actually i do remember that okay yeah i, I did my watch yeah. of the halloween movies a few months ago so yes i do remember that one I try not to remember that one, but I do remember that one. A lot of people try not to remember that one. Yeah. The next major moment I'm calling, I said the words because I love the fact that he is trying to convince the evil spirits that he said the words. <laughs> like the fact that he he knows he didn't say the words. I, and I love he, the whole thing he goes through. Nobody said anything about three books. And then he goes through and, and tries to trick the uh, tries to trick the supernatural into believing that he said the three words, the Klaatu, Verata. <laughs> which I feel like I've done several times. Like if I know that there's something I need to memorize or something like that, I, I feel like there have been a few times where I pull the uh, the cough at the end of the last word. But yeah, it's, I, I love, I love how his whole take on that, once everything starts shaking and starts falling apart, he's like, look, I, I said the words, like, no, you didn't. Like you, you <laughs> didn't. Like, <laughs> you absolutely know you didn't. You are such a liar. But it's, the scene is so funny. You were uh, Rob. You had a little bit of a story about that when you were seeing it in the theater. You said, "Yeah, the second time I saw it in the theater, there was probably about yeah, just a handful of people, and it got to that scene, and he starts going necktie, <laughs> necktie, neck turn. It was definitely an N word, and from like three or four rows back, I just hear one guy go, better not." So every time I, I see that scene, I just hear that guy yelling behind me, better not say the wrong one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, uh, we go, and then we go into the very much the whole Three Stooges thing when he's crawling through, it keeps getting knocked down, crawling through and getting poked in the eyes and the, that whole that whole bit. Yeah, trying to put his hand up to block him, and then they come from either side, and and uh, and much like the much like the scene of his facial expression and his reaction when you see the eruption of blood, you just see him sitting there going, "No, no, no!" And then like half a dozen skeleton fists come in and punch him all at once. Oh yeah. So uh, we we have that, and then he does get back to the he gets back to the castle, and the next major moment I am calling bad Sheila because originally we Sheila was was his love interest and she was goody little two shoes but she's not goody little two shoes anymore because she gets captured by a winged deadite 
gets taken away. Mm-hmm. And I guess the implication is that the evil Ash, who comes back to life, uh, kind of has his way with her, and she becomes evil Sheila. And that is where we kind of start the whole buildup of the Deadite army and the preparations for the Deadite army to come. And uh, Ash kind of training everybody and getting the wise men gunpowder and, and you know, getting them the combat training and fixing up the car and, and all that other stuff. And the fact that he had a copy of the Fangoria magazine in the trunk. Yes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Dark Horse presents comics. Yes. Which I think might have been one of the first issues that, was it Sin City was in? It's also Sin City and, and one of the first alien stories. But also, yes. fun fact, a couple of, you know, not too not too long later, Dark Horse did a ad, uh, comic book adaptation of, of Army of Darkness. Yes. Oh, cool. I... Along those lines, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this in here real quick. I have been, anytime there's an Army of Darkness or, or Ash versus Evil Dead or something like that, comic book, I at least will take a look at it or I'll try to pick it up somewhere. And I just, I don't know. I don't like them. Like, I can't, I can't get into the comics. It just does not have the same feel. They're trying to replicate the feel of the movies, and it just is not... Like I've bought some of the, they've done, one of the comic companies has done like Bill and Ted comics. I'm like, okay, well, those are fun. I I get into those a little bit. Some of them have done like the Back to the Future comics. I can get into those a little bit. I cannot get into the Army of Darkness, Ash Williams comic books that they do. It just is not, I don't know. It's not, one of them was even not a, not necessarily a continuation of Army of Darkness, but the, the wise man, Spinach Chin, shows up in it and, you know, his character is in it for a bit and it just, I don't know. It just didn't, doesn't do it for me. They, they even did Ash versus Freddy versus Jason and no. No? Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't pick that one up then. I, I remember <laughs> looking at it at one point and I was like, yeah, I've kind of been disappointed lately with these, so. I will hold off on that. Well, we get here to the end of the movie, and we have the massive castle siege. Just this, these fun battle scenes of them defending the castle. The I love watching all the kind of flaming arrows go through and and just exploding the all the skeletons. You know, I, I've talked before about Jason and the Argonauts. I love a good skeleton battle, and so love this one as well. One of the funniest moments in this movie which I forgot to mention, it's all the way back in the scene with the pit. And then again, because apparently they've, they've got one for every type of weapon, one of the funniest scenes of the movie that I don't really know that I paid that much attention to until the last few times I've watched it is when Arthur is there and he calls for his sword boy. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Sword boy! And then <laughs> all of a sudden this person comes up with his... And you could have just pulled it out of the sheath, but he's got to like stick his leg up and like kick him away. And I'm like, wow, that's the sword boy's only job is to get kicked every time he needs to pull his sword out. Then the corresponding one is, uh, is it torch boy? I think is the one torch boy. And he's got to come around and he's got to light all of the flaming arrows as they go through. (laughs) And he's kind of, the part I chuckle at is as he's lighting them, like it's almost like he's lighting them carefully and slowly. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you might want to pick up the pace there just a little bit, buddy, because by the time you get to the end of the line, this guy's blowing up over here. So yeah, you might want to go yeah. just, a, just a teeny bit faster. He probably got demoted. He probably used to be the sword boy, and he got demoted to torch boy. Right. So it's right. a, it's right. a much, less, a... much less prestigious job. Mm-hmm. 
So, but I, I I love this whole scene. Like the whole scene, just the 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 car bursts through and it's got the spinning blades and and just chopping things to bits. Just this whole scene is so ridiculous and so much fun. You know, evil Sheila showing up and and fighting Ash and then Ash fighting evil Ash and and just the whole the whole thing. It is just such a fun such a fun combination of action, explosions, sword fighting, fencing, true love, giants. Oh, that's a different that's a different movie. I love that the that when he comes through at least in the version I watched, I think it said welcome to the 21st century. Is that what Did I totally I thought it said 21st century and I was like, "Wait a minute. No, it would have been 20th." So was that did I just mishear it? Was there some sort of was it a mistake? Is there some sort of trivia around that? Or I don't know. I maybe I misheard it. So no, like I, I could have sworn when he busts in, he says, Welcome to the 20, 20th, 21st. Maybe I just misunderstood, huh. but I don't, know. I don't know. That was that was Yeah, I don't know. I didn't mean to take all the air out of the podcast. Sorry. No, I mean I, I love know. the yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we and and I always remember loving this the final scene where they have the the final battle between Ash and and Evil Ash, and uh, mm-hmm. that whole thing where he he's got the book and he's won and he hops up on the catapult piece and and then Ash goes and chops his hand off, grabs the book and chops the catapult and he goes flying through the air, just screaming as he goes, and then this massive Death Star type explosion, and mm-hmm. and they've won and the the Deadite army is on the run and they're all victorious. So we get to the end here and our final major moment I'm calling Back to the Future. And this is where we get a little bit of a difference in some of the versions. There have been different other differences in the versions other than this, but the one that was always most noticeable to me was the difference in the ending. And the original ending that I remember seeing was the ending in which I think the original one I, I saw was the ending in which he was that he's supposed to take like a certain number of drops. And then that's supposed to cause him to fall asleep. And then he'll wake up in his time and he takes too many drops. Like he loses count and he takes too many drops and he ends up waking up in some post-apocalyptic like deadite world with like Big Ben floating somewhere. And, and this, it's all completely destroyed. That is the first version I remember seeing. And I think, is that the international one? That's the international. That's the oh. international cut ending. That's called the Rick Van Winkle ending. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until a little while later that I saw the one where he's back and he's at he's at S Mart and has to defend Linda and 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 that whole bit. But and that's that's the one that I saw originally. Okay. And so when I saw the the Rick Van Winkle ending, I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. But I love the 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 chaos at S Mart ending. Well, and of course, you don't get the... Uh, Hail to the king, baby. If you don't have the S-Mart scene, you don't get the hail to the king, baby. Right. So. Very important. Very yeah. important. All right. Do we have uh, any other major moments I missed or, or any other... We'll, we'll get into kind of talking our opinions on this now, but uh, any other moments that I missed that need to be brought up? Did I, I don't think I missed any other sword boys. Mm-mm. all right all right well in that case it's time for some deep thoughts and now deep thoughts
All right. Deep thoughts. I'm not even going to ask if we like this movie because I think we all like this movie. <laughs> That's a stupid question. Do you have a favorite scene in the movie? That is also a stupid mm. question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. In, in the spirit of Ash Williams, knowing that it's stupid, but he's going to do it anyway, I'm going to ask that question anyway. Do you have a favorite scene? I don't. I, I cannot pick a, a favorite scene. I, I love parts of, of of just about every scene. There's there's something to grasp onto and hold on to, or quote, or it, like like we were talking about camera angles or just a shot or just the whole pit scene. You could there is about five or six things immediately that come to my mind. You know when he when he's cutting up the thing in the pit and the hand comes off and. Yeah. It's it's a guy to face. I mean, there's just so much. I, I just can't pick on a single scene that that that, that I I like. I, I like the movie as a whole, and I like like bits and pieces of it more than I do other spots. But I I, I just can't. It's it's impossible. Yeah. What about endings? Do you because you've seen the different endings? Do you have a preference between the endings? I, I do. I I do prefer the the, the S Smart Shootout ending. The first time I saw the Rip Van Winkle ending was almost two decades almost since I'd seen, seen the theatrical cut and I kept hearing about the Rip Van Winkle ending. No, I saw it. I was like, well, that's, that's typical Ash fat, Ash fashion. Try to say that 10 times fast, but, but it, but it's because he's taking the drops. He's already in the cave. He's already in the, in, in with, with the Oldsmobile and he's taking the drops and he's counting and he hears something. And then he loses he loses count and he starts counting again and you you, you already know oh he screwed up yep. he screwed up so when he wakes up and he has the long beard comes trundling out of the cave he's like oh no I slept too long and but but um, what's funny about that is that now that sadly Ash versus Evil Dead is over but where does Ash versus Evil Dead end? He's in the post-apocalyptic time, and I was just like, "Oh, we're finally getting." Oh yeah. no, they canceled it. Yeah, I thought we were finally going to get that sequel to to Army of Darkness that we were promised. Not that I'm at all upset that we got Ash versus Evil Dead, which carries on for more or less from the S Smart ending. Yeah. If you know, Ash carried carried on being who he actually was in in modern times, which was not amounting to too much. No. <laughs> Still working the same job. What about you, Patrick? Do you have a favorite scene? Or I think Rob's answer was incredibly eloquent and summed it up exactly. Like I, I can't pick one. I mean, it's just one after the other is fantastic. And so I, like I said, he, Rob, I thought your answer, like totally agree with your answer. I do have a question. How many different endings are there? Because I, I'm familiar with this one, the Smart Shootout. I never saw, is it just the two that and the Rip Van Winkle? Okay, okay. Because I was wondering if there were like multiple, if it was like Wayne's World and the Scooby-Doo ending and, the, and all that kind of thing. But okay, I was just curious about that. Yeah, I I was going to ask you all too, but that's probably also another unfair question. If you have a favorite one-liner from this movie. I did, one of the ones I forgot to mention earlier was when the when he and Evil Asher kind of doing their little fight and he's going to uh, Goody little two shoes. Goody little two shoes. Good, bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's a, that's good. A, that's a great line. But if you watch the international version, his line is, "I'm not that good." And I was right. just like, "Oh, 
Yeah. No, no, yeah. doesn't work. Doesn't there work. are yeah, there are certain <laughs> things. Yeah, there are certain things about the international version that I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> that's not what you're supposed to say. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's probably good, bad. I'm the guy with the gun, or this is my boomstick. I yeah. mean, I I can walk into a room with most people and say, "Listen up, you printed screwheads. This is my yeah. boomstick." Yeah. And half the people are going to know what I'm saying, and the other people are like, "What is wrong with them?" <laughs> but that that has to that has to be my my favorite two lines. Yeah. I think it's, I think there have been a couple of times like if the kids wake me up too early on a Saturday morning, I think I might have actually said the next one of you primates even touches me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the, the well, seeing as how we're family friendly, I, I can't say the line. But I love when he comes back after questing for the book. He's come back to the castle <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he's like, everybody's like, get the, get the out of my face. Yep. He's like, everybody's, everybody's like, yeah, he's returned. Hey, and they're all congratulating him and like pat him on the back. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the F out of my face. <laughs> oh, well, he is definitely the anti-hero in a fun way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's, I, I keep thinking of, and I, I, I don't see parallels, but I see parallels. If you can get the dichotomy of that statement or the, the paradox of that statement, but I, I almost see it with like Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean. And I, I'm not, I, and, and again, I, before I get like pelted with stones through the internet here, but like, I don't see it as they're not like the same character. They're not really even similar characters much more than it's the anti-hero thing that, well, it's, and it's, it would be too strong to say that we love to hate him or hate to love him or, but it's just, Come on, just do the right thing. No, again, okay, but that puts you in a funny situation. That's awesome. Like that, that really, that really just works. And you might, you might accidentally do the right thing. Yeah, he's a hapless, lovable goofball that you want to see. He just can't get it out of his own way. Right, going to stumble over. He's going to tie his shoes together and then go try to run and and get into a fight. He's just he can't help himself. Right, And, and that's that's why I love that. And it's so difficult to sit. There's, there's no way that you you can take somebody who's never seen these movies and say we're going to watch all three of them in in order this mm-hmm. evening. It's probably best to start with Evil Dead Two and then go into Army of Darkness and say now if you want to see and now for something completely different we can watch the Evil Dead. But right, I I've never and I I have done it myself. I have watched all three in order. And by the time I'm halfway through Evil Dead 2, I'm just like, I can't wait to get to Army of Darkness. As, yeah. as much as I love the original. And it's and it really is, everything hinges on Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell is the most interesting part of the first movie. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of just because he's forced to be the last man standing. But then Evil Dead 2, for almost 60% of that movie, it's all him. You are only with him until the other people show up. And by that time he's cut off his hand. <laughs> he's right. He's been, he's right. been slowly going crazy. And then army of darkness, you know, they, they put him back in, in a, in a position where he's around a, a bunch of other people and he can't, he's fully become Bruce Campbell. As I said mm-hmm. earlier, I mean, this movie, th- this is Bruce Campbell showing what Bruce Campbell can do. 
as far as not only his acting chops, but his comedic chops. And mm-hmm. it, it was, it was just nice to see him fully unleashed. And it, that's probably that I guarantee that this made his career. This, this mm-hmm. introduced him and, and opened up his career. He had been in a couple of other smaller things before Army of Darkness, and they were mostly Raimi projects, but this led to other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because after this, you had Jack of All Trades, you had Briscoe County Jr., you had Xena, Warrior Princess, you had Burn Notice, you had like all of his different TV appearances. I, he even had a stint, I think, for a little bit on, on Ellen on her show. One of the ones I remember because I used to watch it religiously was he had a little bit of a, maybe like a three episode stint on Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. He was, huh. a, he was kind of a, a businessman's, a wealthy businessman's son who was kind of the villain for about maybe two or three episodes. And I just remember seeing him and thinking, it's the army of darkness guy. This is so cool. Like it's my, it's my Superman show that I love. And the army of darkness guy is in here, but yeah, no, he, after that, he, he ended up in so many fun different shows, and I've I've since gone back and I've found copies of Briscoe County Junior. I haven't watched back through uh, Jack of All Trades yet. But I've tried to like collect all those so that I can go back through and kind of rewatch them. There you go, you got it right there. But yeah, try to go back through and and kind of grab some other other copies of shows that he's in because you know every single time every single time I see him, it's just it's so much fun no matter what he's in. The only thing I will say, the only even remotely negative thing I have to say is I was so excited a few years ago to see him live on stage and cause he was coming to Chicago and I was, it was, it was called an evening with Bruce Campbell. And you, you know, if you bought your ticket, you got a signed copy of one of his books. I think it was the hail to the King book. And uh, it was in his new book. At the, I was so excited. Cause I'm like, great. He's going to talk about the evil dead movies. He's going to talk about the other stuff he's been in. He's going to talk about this. I'm going to get to hear about like all these stories of behind the scenes stuff. He didn't do any of that. It was him running a game show in which he asked the questions and people from the audience came up on stage and tried to answer the questions. And I was like, well, this is not, this is not maximizing the Bruce Campbell I came to see. Like it was, it was funny and it was entertaining, but I actually ended up leaving kind of disappointed. I was like, this is not at all what I thought I was coming to see. I thought I was coming to see him talk about his experiences and things like that. And, and he actually did not do other than, in his hosting duties of this game show, he didn't actually do a whole lot of the talking. Like he was having the, the mm-hmm. contestants come up and, and they were talking about themselves. And then I was like, this is not what I paid for. So mm-hmm. that's my, own, that's my only moment of being disappointed with Bruce Campbell as is seeing him live in that particular show. But otherwise okay. I, anything he's been in, I will, I will watch it. Yeah. All right. Do we have anything else before we get into the all-important three questions? I don't know that there's much more to say about it. Just if you haven't watched it, go watch it. You have to watch this. Yes. You have no yes. choice. You have to watch this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, even if you don't care about horror films at all, this is not a horror film by any no. stretch. I mean, aside from the geyser of blood that is absolutely done for comedic effect, there is very little horrific or even bloody elements in the entire movie. The, the entire pit fight, I yeah. think they they did the the black goo for for the demon blood just right. just to make sure that they weren't going to get censored so that he could get away with the geyser of blood. Right. I mean, 
it's just a fun movie. It's a shut off your brain and it's, it's, it's little over 80 minutes. It's not even an hour and a half movie. No. So everybody should, everybody should watch it and just enjoy it. Yes. Yes. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. What were they? Cycles? Or? We all go a little mad sometimes. Quit pro quo. I tell you things, you tell me things. I'm not interrupting anything, am I? You really look deep in thought. So I'll ask you the questions and then we'll see, all right? All right. Question number one. What is your favorite Bruce Campbell role that is not Ash Williams? It's Briscoe County Jr. There you go. <laughs> Hands down. I, I have seen several episodes of Burr Notice, and I love his character on that. But every time I, I've watched that, I'm just like, it's a little more Bruce Campbell being Bruce Campbell. So Briscoe County was, ju- was just enough of a di- diversion from Ash Williams that I was just like, and and it's it's Bruce Campbell doing a western, so it's fun stuff. I I love that doing a like a sci-fi western too. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna daily double that and say that that one is mine as well. Yep, yep, same here. Oh, we get the trifecta. Trifecta. Nice. Trifecta. The 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 three words: the Klaatu, the Barada, the Nikto. There we go. All right, question number two: Red or green grapes? Green, just what I grew up with. Yeah. I don't have have a real preference, but green. I tend to go red, but as long as they're seedless, I don't really care. I'm going to answer yes. All grapes. All grapes. More okay. grapes. I've, there's even the dark, the darker ones. I don't know if they're black grapes or yeah, like yeah. dark blue grapes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I like them all. See, in, and, in and Illinois, the, and also I, the crushed and fermented kind. Of crushed and fermented kind are yeah. excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Italian, man. Of course, I'm well, going to yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, see, up in up up here in Illinois, we've got uh, in the state house. You can vote yes, no, or present. So, in sure. answer to your question, I'm going to vote present on this vote. Okay, fair enough. And then question number three: If you were charging into battle in a uh, medieval times, again, not the restaurant, but if you were charging into battle at a medieval times and you had your choice of medieval weapon. At your disposal, what one weapon would you choose to take into battle with you? Morning star or a mace. Nice. Yeah, it's it's going to get close quarters at some point because you're not fi- you're not firing weapons at each other aside from cannons. And if you get hit by a cannon, well, your day is done. Yeah. Yep. But if you get in close quarters, they're they're smaller weapons. They're easier to swing than a sword, and you you clock somebody over the head whether they have armor on or not. You're going to ruin their day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I, I'm i going to follow my heritage and uh, go with the Scottish Claymore. Mm-hmm. A nice, massive, two-handed sword that is probably bigger than I am. Yeah. Spear is that long. Long as a man. Now, some men are longer than others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the best use of a Claymore that I've ever seen was in Rob Roy. 
but that's my my yes. my preference. Yes. <laughs> so you're only saying one weapon while charging in a battle? One. Gotta pick one. Yeah. So if I'm, now, if you like, you could have the same weapon if you wanted two of the same weapon in each hand. I'm just saying you can't be like. Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando where you've like locked everything down to every orifice and like you've got stuff you can pull out of everywhere yeah. and yeah no so I, I can't I can't have a bow and a quiver of arrows as I'm charging in a spear for as the battle is joined and then a short like you can't that that's not in the spirit of the question is what you're no, saying the spirit of the question is one one weapon there can be only yeah one. there can be only one Pat. Pat's, yeah, Pat wants to be the Swiss Army knife of of, of medieval medieval soldiers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I when you absolutely positively must kill every last dead out in the room. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I I would think some sort of a like a shorter sword, like the Roman. What would what did the centurions carry? What did they carry that call those call those swords? Oh yeah. But the short like centurion sword, I think I think that would be. Yeah. Is it the Gladius? Gladius, yeah, like the Gladius, yeah. or maybe maybe like a katana blade, you know, like a okay. Which which that's medieval Japan. I don't know that's, if that I'll, counts. I'll I'll allow it. You know, just something, some kind of a like a, a slashing weapon that won't get caught up in the. You know, yeah. I like the idea of of like a mace that so it's not like it's going to get caught up in someone and then you got to now you got to get the sword out or whatever like that, like something that would slice and keep going or I feel like no yeah. after you just said that and you you brought up the the Japanese weapon but it medieval times it made me think that it could have been so much fun like in an alternate universe knowing Bruce Campbell's affinity for B movies is if we had had almost like a an earnest style series of movies mm-hmm. where it's like Ash goes to jail Ash scared stupid Ash Ash yeah. goes to camp you know that kind of stuff that could have been kind of fun like to have that could the, have, been. have the evil dead in different kinds of situations. But you almost get that. Evil, like, evil oh, I totally agree. To Japan. You, yeah. Yeah. But you almost get that in Ash versus Evil Dead, you right? Because he, yeah. he, he kind of is getting put in all these. That's, that's the best know? possible version of any yeah. kind of like Evil Dead anthology series. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, I think we've done the Lord's work here. I think we've said everything that we need to say about army of darkness and quoted it sufficiently. So I just, I don't, I want to go, like you said, Pat, I think I just want to go watch this movie later tonight. Yeah. I just yeah, watched it the other day. Like I've, I've watched it a few times in the last several weeks and I'm like, I just want to go watch it again. Yeah. The only thing is what about all those sweet things that you guys said to me in private? Rob, that's, that's just what we call pillow talk, buddy. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> you could absolutely positively quote every last line in this movie. And, oh, man. And they would all be funny. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, gents, for being here with me. Thank you for talking Army of Darkness. Folks, if you have not already, head over to our website, 30podcast.com, where you can find all of our old episodes there and other links to the Patreon page and ways that you can leave a voicemail for us so that we could play it on the show. Coming up for the rest of this month, we're pretty much at the end of this month. The only regular episode we've got left is going to be coming out on Halloween Day. It's going to be Alien 3. Otherwise, we've got our Patreons, uh, Thing from Another World, Thing and Thing, the three things. 
And then we've got the Patreon shorts, Airplane 2 and Secret of Nim. And then looking into November, our Patreons for November are going to be King of Comedy for the full-length episode, Rocky 3 and Black Adam for the Patreon shorts. And then for our regular episodes that month, if you're not over on Patreon, we've got Thunderheart, Malcolm X, Unforgiven, Chaplin, and A River Runs Through It. So we got some good stuff coming up in the rest of November there. Rob, are we, I think we're going to get you back next week on the Alien 3 episode. Yes, I think I will be here for that. Awesome. 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 I am looking forward to it. My soul is prepared. I hope everyone else's is. So, so, so anticipation for next week. John is kind of thrown down with some of the other listeners and viewers of the podcast and friends of the show because he is a fan of Alien 3. There's some folks that kind of voice a, an opposing opinion. Rob, I'm just curious if you feel comfortable kind of getting put on the spot. Where do you fall in the Alien 3? You know, where are you coming down next week when we gather again? Well, I'm gonna, John Reed is going to have a tag team partner. Oh, there we go. There yeah. we go. Rob and John are going to take on the world here. All right. Three three times the teamwork, three times the horror, three times the amazing movie. All right. Okay. There it is. There it is. We're we're going to bring we're going to bring some rumor control and just the facts. All right, man. So. All right. All right, everybody. Let's let's say I am also bursting with excitement to talk about Alien 3, if I can if I can say that. Right. I'm probably going to, I've got my little like plush face hugger behind me here on the shelf. I probably will just drape that over my shoulder the whole time we're recording. And I've already shaved my head in anticipation. So there we go. There you go. So, all right. We will see you all next time on Fury 161. Until then, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies and we'll see you back here. <laughs>